When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Back to you on Hale Varsity Radio. It's Schmitty and uh, well-rested and sunshined up from Arizona. Elijah Herbal, Damon Barr, Will Wilson. Gracias to you three for handling it. Oh, don't, don't forget Cranach, too. Well, <laughs> I mean, come on. How was old Cranach Saturday? Uh, it was interesting, that's for sure. He, he decided to go for the uh, the drama-free show where we talked about no topics of Nebraska football that had any drama to them whatsoever. How long did that go? We made it through the whole first segment drama-free. Really? Uh, mostly drama-free. We, okay. we, 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 didn't, we didn't get dramatic, I should say. Good. Well, we are loaded up uh, for a Wednesday edition. Excited to get uh, caught up with Mike Babcock, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. We'll get some thoughts from Babbers on Husker baseball. The, uh, the the smiling that you may hear in my voice and Elijah's voice and your rejoicing as well is that uh, you're going to get a chance to watch your beloved Huskers play ball on the diamond, on the soccer field, at the spring game uh, with the Big Ten uh, council and presidents and chancellors and we'll just call them the stuffy shirts. Uh, allowing uh, local control to have control. And it's so significant uh, for everybody in the Big Ten, but specifically with Nebraska because of just how passionate and loyal and just loving the Nebraska fan base is. I mean, there's expectations and demands, yes. But they are there uh, in all kinds of weather. And uh, you're going to get to watch your Nebraska volleyball team do work. You're going to watch Will Bolt squad do work. And you'll get to see uh, what some of the quarterbacks look like beyond Adrian Martinez on May 1st with spring football. Can react to that? Uh, your reaction as a Nebraska fan with uh, finally being able to watch your team for the first time in a year. Not on your flat screen, 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. So Babber's coming up. Mike Schuhart on the way. We'll check in with Andy Markowski, not only on what he thinks of the Sweet 16, but where Nebraska could and may go with their four open scholarship spots for basketball. Jack Hoiberg is leaving Michigan State. Does that mean he's headed to Lincoln? I don't know. I think he'll want to probably go on scholarship somewhere. But he could end up in Lincoln, and playing for his dad's a pretty special thing as well. So we'll get into that. Some thoughts from Will Bolt as Minnesota comes to town. But let's dive into it here as the Big Ten has opened that door 
uh, for fans and uh, the 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 secondary market on tickets will be fierce. Uh, the weather this weekend, I think, supposed to be lower sixties, but I'm thinking more so with the Devaney Center uh, for the April first and second showdown with Penn State. Uh, we'll see what they can do capacity wise, and just looking at numbers here. And let's go back to 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 what is in existence within the state of Nebraska. Uh, Governor Ricketts has deemed the state of Nebraska green on the dial, right? When it comes to COVID, the city of Lincoln currently sits at yellow, okay? Which means 75% capacity. Uh, I, I don't know the, the edict by the Big Ten as in what, what was said publicly versus what's pushed privately, I mean, I know Michigan's not going to allow fans. They've already decided not to allow fans. So that's Michigan football. That's Michigan spring game. That's Wolverine baseball, soccer, all that stuff. They're not going to allow fans. That's 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 their deal. But what what's what's a reasonable number we can look at, we can think about. But first, let's hear from Bill Moose, his video announcement earlier today. I applaud the decision by the Big Ten presidents and chancellors to allow fans back in our venues. It will be wonderful to have fans with us for our final two volleyball matches, as well as soccer, softball, baseball, and, of course, the red-white spring game on May 1st. Please look for more details in the next few days in regards to how you can obtain your tickets. Welcome back, and go Big Red. Well, good on you, Bill Moose, for continuing to push for local control. Bill Moose not only delivering the message you want to hear, but Bill Moose also uh, playing the drums and on the rhythm guitar in that that announcement. It's wonderful how now he wasn't playing drums and playing the guitar while doing the announcement. I'm sure there was a separate audio track they put together. So uh, the, the the applauding of the Big Ten. I applaud the decision by the Big Ten presidents and chancellors. Let me translate. It's about bleeping time, right? That's your thought bubble right now. It's about bleeping time that fans be allowed. So what are the numbers going to look like? Well, for baseball, capacity at Haymarket's 8,500. Do you go half? Are you at a set number at three grand? For that, for baseball, volleyball, Devaney Center holds 8,000. Could you move it to PBA and you can get all 8,000 in and you're a little over 50% if PBA holds 15,5? That's one thing you could do. Not that you can't go to Devaney, but are you, if it's 75% that you get, and I think that's a high number. Not personally. I just don't think they're going to go 75% out of the gate. 6000 at Devaney would be that. Uh, Sixty-three seventy-five at Haymarket. If you go with what local jurisdiction allows right now, capacities at 75%. And at Memorial Stadium, you've got 90000 Do you go forty to 45000 for May 1st? Do you open up? Initially, 25,000, 35,000, and then maybe open up the 
the uh, the turnstiles as you get closer to May first, assuming there's not a spike or a large number of, of COVID cases. I mean, you're having more and more vaccinations. Eventually, your your age group will be called for you and I, Elijah. Uh, but a lot of folks have already had dose one or they're getting dose two tomorrow or Friday. Uh, if we look at that 50 to 65 year old demo. So as the, the waiting game happens for the the spring game down the road, that's still you know several weeks away. You can have a large number of Lancaster County or the state of Nebraska, in fact, vaccinated. And, and maybe, I don't know that you go this route, but if you have your vaccination card, then you're good to go. And if you haven't been vaccinated yet, maybe you're uh, put into the corner. I don't know, uh, through no fault of your own. But it, it'll be interesting to see where things go. Uh, if you're Nebraska, with if you come hot and heavy out of the gate with pushing the attendance maximum, or if you're cautious and stick around that 40 to 50% number, going back to what was successful and executed beautifully by uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena, by the Convention and Visitors Bureau, our old buddy Jeff Mall, you had 6,100 allowed in for the state championships, the girls' and boys' tournaments. Again, PBA holds 15-5. The good and, and best news is, though, is you're going to get to go, or you're at least going to be able to try and get to go. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be the old the old levy breaking where you're going to get out and you're going to go and you're going to enjoy or you're going to try and go as a Nebraska fan because you've been kept up, uh, locked away, having to, to, to be away from in-person attendance. And there is something oh so special about that energy with a live audience, with a fan base, with a crowd that's cranked up, that's juiced up. You've been to volleyball games. You know how intense and really uh, the, the type of 12th man mentality that does exist with certain fan bases. There's a lot of games that Nebraska was tooth and nail in football that the, the crowd was that extra asset, right? I think back to some of those vintage Colorado-Nebraska games. I think a no-sit Sunday against Wisconsin for basketball. Hell, I even remember uh, the old days at the Buck Belzer, the Buck Belzer, right? Where, you know, it's a 3-2 count. Nebraska's got Birch on the hill, and you got to take Rice down to get to that first ever college World Series. And, and Buck was just electric, and then it turned into a high electricity a few years later at Paymarket Park uh, when they beat Miami and the regional. I'll never forget the sound when Alex Gordon hit one out against Miami or when Wistrom and Peter got a fourth down stop with the rest of the defense in the mother of all Colorado-Nebraska games where Nebraska's defense, oh man, they had so many times they had sudden change moments where they had to come back on the field against a really good Colorado team because it was wet, it was black ice, it was just bitterly cold and horrible footing and ball security issues for both offenses. And Nebraska's defense that night, or that day that turned into night, the day after Thanksgiving in 96, my freshman year, where that black shirt defense that was special willed the team to a win. Offense did just enough, but the energy, the crowd, the roar – 
is special, you're going to get that roar back. And what I think is awesome is that the Husker spring game at 40% capacity is still going to have more fans in attendance than most spring games around the country in a normal year. Like, you'll look at, like, University of Iowa, and they're putting in 30,000 fans, 40,000 fans for a spring game. Nebraska's going to have that. They're going to be at full capacity this year. But that, that's still going to be more than most teams have in a normal year, and that's just that's awesome. That speaks to Husker Nation. I, I can't wait to be back in the stadium. I mean, I, I got to go umpire some baseball over the weekend. Uh, I went and got my eyes checked uh, at the opt- optometrist last week, so I was, I was calling balls. Are, 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 you, are, you, are you joking, or did you really? No, I was actually out umpiring baseball, and I, I said this yesterday on the show. It just it, it felt just so much like spring felt normal it felt normal to be out having people yell at me uh behind the plate like it felt <laughs> perfect and i can't wait to be out in the uh out in the crowd hopefully sometime soon at haymarket park yelling at the umpires there and uh, umpiring the husker game well and you know we'll uh, check in with mitch sherman tomorrow his take on things uh maybe around 50 percent for football and and maybe around 25 percent capacity for volleyball and for for baseball but you get to go that's the important thing and it's it's got to feel good uh from a from a fan energy standpoint will bolt kind of touched on that a little bit uh, earlier today and uh you know baseball is back it's the uh, home opener opener weekend finally against minnesota husker baseball's back rolling again offensively but here's what will had to say about the energy that crowd can bring just having you know the opportunity to play in front of those great fans and having a, a chance to have an atmosphere where you can kind of sense the big moment a little bit. I think that's maybe a little something too for some guys that um, that just get the adrenaline going a little bit more uh, at, at times. And um, you know, ultimately, it just comes down to what's happening between the lines. But at the same time, it's always great to have. Um, just that extra excitement, the buzz in the stadium. Um, and like I said, all of our our guys were recruited to come here, and a big reason they chose to come here was was because of uh, the atmosphere created in our ballpark. So that atmosphere is very real, and you as a fan remember flashbulb moments of being in the stands as a Nebraska fan and uh, being a part of it live. And And that's the thing, right? You've We've all got accustomed to figuring out that that man cave, what type of vittles we want to eat during the game, but the uh, the soft drink tastes just a little bit different and a little bit better, especially when it was Coke uh, at Memorial Stadium. That hot dog or runs it tastes just a little bit different. That slice of pie tastes just a little bit different at a ball game, and uh, the uh, the atmosphere really is what helped makes it, along with the um, incredible athletes and, 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 and matchups that you dream about seeing. But uh, it's, it's, it's back, thankfully. Well, well, I, I just want to rewind for a second. You're a Coke guy over a Pepsi guy? Absolutely. Oh, but Pepsi, though. See, the thing is... I, I Diet can, Pepsi and Captain Morgan, sure. I, I can look objectively at Coke and Pepsi and go head-to-head, okay, Coke is probably better, but Pepsi also brings Mountain Dew to the table. But we're not talking about Mountain Dew. But it's it's going to be at the stadium. You, you can't have Mountain Dew at the stadium if you're you not signed with Pepsi. See, and I can't, in my, in my right mind, go with the Mellow Yellow argument against Mountain Dew. As much as I like me some Mellow Yellow with tequila uh it, it's it's uh, back to vacation days right but no i mean the, the the old fountain coke that you'd buy from the the the, the coke carrier we'll call him garth glissman because g-unit used to sell 
um, soda at Memorial Stadium before he ended up actually playing there. No, it was it was great. You, you con dad out of two hot dogs and a coke, and it was fantastic. But it's uh, no, we've kind of blathered on about uh, fans and stands, but that's that's the news of the day, and it's it's important. And you know what? It's going to be so big time for the city of Lincoln as well. Not only that that May first day with the spring game, where you can get out and have a cocktail down in the rail yard. You can uh, order some food. You can meet with friends safely, obviously. But uh, that that is part of this as well, where you're going to get out and be normal again. And you get to do that uh, watching your beloved Huskers. We'll check in with Mike Babcock. Some thoughts from Babbers on uh, Husker baseball, on the uh, the fan announcement by the Big Ten. Mike Shuhart will ask Shuey if he ever teed off and hit one into somebody's pool. And uh, Andy Markowski, some uh, NCAA tournament thoughts from uh, the Pride of Ord. That's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. And uh, Mike Babcock with us, historian, author, Hall of Famer. And uh, you read him with Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, a good day today for Nebraska fans. How are you? Oh, yeah, a lot of energy with the uh, with the announcement that uh, fans are going to be allowed in, at, uh, at competition. So that's good. Yeah, I'm good. You're good. That's awesome. Uh, Dan tweets in with with his strategy. I want your take on this, Babbers. He says, okay. "Here's the strategy from Dan on Twitter: Go fifty percent right now to make the controllers at the Big Ten happy. Then two days before the spring game, say you're going to open it up to max capacity according to state guidelines. Change your other mind because that's not happened with the Big Ten brass ever." Well. Um I think he's tongue and cheeking us a little bit, but yeah, I, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, <laughs> I just think that that um, there there needs to be some caution in this thing. I mean, I, I think it's a definitely a positive that fans can get back in, but I think that the process, how you're going to do that, uh, is is equally important. I mean, I, I think that you have to take. Uh, precautionary measures and you know what does that entail how, you know how is that going to be interpreted and how are people going to sit in the stadium because I you know I would guess that uh, um, it's not going to be exactly like in a in a season where you you know you're you've got season tickets and you're you know you want to be in the east stadium or you want to be in the west stadium or whatever specific like that, I think sections are going to be identified for different different groups, um, and you know, again, you got to have, you're going to have to have some social distancing and mask wearing and so forth. But uh, you know, the the bottom line is it's it's a significant step in getting people uh, the or the giving people the opportunity to come back. I mean, some people are probably going to be reluctant to do it, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, the fan. The fan aspect of of people probably is going to overcome any any reluctance for a good share of people. 
Mike Babcock's with us uh, from Hale Varsity. Babbers, can you put into words the value of the Nebraska fan, not just for football or hoops, but the fan base in general? I mean, what they, what it's meant. We know what the team means to the fans, but on the other side, the fans, what they've meant to the teams. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it in terms of energy at the event and, and, and really beyond that in terms of recruiting. I mean, that's that's been a big thing for, for Nebraska recruiting is that that potential uh, recruits come in here and and they look at it and they see the energy and they see how important uh, Nebraska athletics are to the fans here. Um, that in, that's influenced, I think, a lot of uh, a lot of student athletes to uh, make the decision to come to Nebraska. So it it it's the energy on on game day um, from the fans. There's no question about that. And that you know that's what's made Nebraska unique, and and in football that's what's created that uh, NCAA record sellout streak. Is that uh, you know fans have come, um, whether the team has been uh, uh, mostly up, well, obviously during that time of the streak, but there have been some down periods where still the tickets are sold. Um, you know we've seen in recent seasons where there have been sections of the stadium that uh, haven't been filled up, but the tickets were sold, mm-hmm. so the uh, sell-out streak continues. But, you know, it's it's one of the things, it's one aspect of Husker tradition that has not been lost uh, over time is that uh, the fan support. And, you know, as I've often said, I think the majority of fans are, um, you know, they just want to see their the Huskers give the best effort, regardless of what sport it is. Give everything they've got, and if they give that, um, they're good with it. Um, you know, sometimes on social media you get a little bit of a distorted view on mm-hmm. how many people are upset with what's going on, but I think the average Husker fan is, that's the expectation, you know. Give it everything you've got. Give it all. Give it your all, and if you do that, you know, that's what we expect. Babber's going to go to baseball here and a chance for fans to see Will Bolt's crew. And they had a nice uh, response in Iowa as they took the series two out of three and exploded for a number of runs the final two games. And we'll spend a minute here on, on Coach Bolt and specifically what he's found in, in Max Anderson, such a, a young, talented player. But it, it feels like he's pretty mature at the plate beyond his years. Yeah, you know, uh, Max Anderson is, and, you know, somebody asked uh, Spencer Schwellenbach about, about Max today on the Zoom uh, conference, and and uh, Schwellenbach said, you know, you're probably going to laugh, but he goes up there not caring so much what happens. He, it, it's, his added, it's his approach to the game. I mean, he's got a great swing. He doesn't go up there and doesn't put pressure on himself. And as as Bolt pointed out, you know he had a little bit of a slide there um, last weekend, but uh, he came back and he had a had a uh, uh, what a drive in five runs this last mm-hmm. weekend and hit another home run. He leads the Huskers in home runs and runs batted in, slugging percentage and batting average. Um, he's just been he has a consistent approach at the plate, is what Will said, and uh, just been very impressive. Uh, from the get-go, and and uh, um, you know that's yeah that's that's one of the reasons that you know it's it's uh, people are going to like to go out and watch him play, you know because he is a freshman. But you know 
Nebraska's gotten some good performances out of other guys as well. So, it's you know, there's there's going to be some energy at the at Haymarket Park again. We we don't know the particulars of how many people they're going to let in there and exactly how they're going to configure it, but uh, um, he's certainly one that uh, is worth uh, going out and watching. Mike, what's impressed you most so far about Will Bolt's squad this year? Well, I think the grit, you know, and, and I've said this before, but I think they have the character, of the approach to the game that their coach had um, when he played, and and that was reflected in the Iowa series. You know, you lose the first game, you get shut out, um, you don't, you, and you know, go one of two ways. That's what what Will said. Uh, and they came back, you know, they scrapped, they came back and won two. And that was probably the impressive part about it is it's tough to it's tough to win a series, certainly tough to sweep a series, but when you lose on Friday night um, and then uh, you have to come back and win two to take the series, uh, that's, that was impressive, I thought, the way, they, uh, the way they responded because, again, that Friday night effort was not good. And uh, um, that, that could have set the tone for the weekend, but it didn't. Uh, the, the effort Sunday was pretty impressive to me as the Huskers kind of clinched the uh, the series uh, the season series against Iowa with that win. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach on the mound touched 99 miles per hour at one point with his fastball. And Schwellenbach's a guy who's pretty talented at the plate too. So now that we're, I mean, a couple weeks into the season, do we think he's more talented as a pitcher or more talented as a hitter? Well, I think the, the important thing is they want him at shortstop. And, it, you know, he could be a closer type guy. Um, give him the opportunity to bring him in at the end and, and shut somebody down. But, you know, he, he was asked about that, too, and it was like, you know, I don't pay that much attention to the velocity. His, you know, he wants to get the ball over the plate, get the job done, however that's accomplished. I, I just like his attitude, uh, both at bat and, and uh, on the mound. But, you know, he hadn't pitched uh, uh, for three years, and uh, he said that, you know, he had worked in the weight room to get himself prepared, um, because he knew that he was going to get an opportunity to pitch this this season, and and uh, he certainly responded. And that's you know they they uh, they've taken advantage of it. He's gotten a couple of appearances, and he's you know they're easing him into it. And you know I think at some point he could be the closer conceivably. But you, you know he he's the regular shortstop. That's 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 important as well. Babber's going to switch to spring football. It gets kicked off uh, next uh, week. And uh, give me a couple players you're anxious to to keep an eye on. You can go quarterback if you like, or if you want to go somewhere else, that's all good too. But uh, who are you eyeing, and really what are you eyeing here for this spring 21? Well, you know, I always always talk about the offensive line, so I certainly want to look at the competition there and see how things go. But, um, yeah, the quarterback thing, I, I think it's going to be an open competition. I was just looking at that. You think about it, so it's it's probably uh, uh, Adrian and Logan Smothers, uh, and then but Harburg is is here, um, and uh, Matt Masker, you know, walk on. Uh, there's a Braden Miller. He's a walk on. I was looking at that. There's three Carney guys that are in the quarterback room. Um, uh, two of them from Carney Catholic, um, and the, the running back uh, situation and. Uh, now I think Step is here, right? Yes. He enrolled in January, so he's going to be in the competition, and uh, I think there's going to be pretty spirited competition at running back, and uh, you know, so that interests me. Um, I want to see how uh, 
uh, you know, the leadership in in the secondary. You got uh, Deontay Williams and and uh, Cam Taylor Britt. You know, see how they help the the uh, younger guys uh, develop. But the you know the defense is is probably going to be an area that's going to be Nebraska's strength. I mean, you look at all the guys that are coming back. Um, that's going to be an, an area that uh, you have, know a little bit about what you're going to get there. So I'm probably going to be paying more attention to some of the guys on offense. And you always pay attention, I guess, to the high-profile guys like the quarterback and the running back and so forth. But um, offensive line, let's see how they if they can develop some depth there. And, and uh, that's going to be important, I think, going forward as well. Babbers, about 30 seconds or so. Do you believe there's a guy in that running back room that can – make a, no pun intended, step towards being that that mail carrier like an Amir or a Rex or a Roy, guys that went for a 1,000 and, and really you could lean on? Well, I think that's what needs to happen. Um, but I think you're probably going to you're gonna see a couple of them emerge. That, uh, you know, again, you've got a lot of talent there. Seven Morrison, we really haven't mm-hmm. seen much uh, from him. We don't know what to expect from him. Uh, and uh, and step we don't know. I mean, he, he's a new guy. Uh, let's see what happens with the competition. But yeah, ideally, I think you would like to have a guy that would step up and and be that thousand yard guy to give you that kind of consistent threat that defenses have to deal with. Mike Babcock, read him with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Follow Babbers on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike, good to get caught up again. Miss talking to you. Thanks for jumping on today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Be safe. You too. Mike Babcock with us. And uh, he'll be uh, all over Nebraska baseball coverage. And, of course, the spring game and spring ball gets rolling next week. Mike Shuey's on the way. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Eddie Markowski coming up. Some NCAA tournament thoughts from uh, the Pride of Ord. We'll get his take on Nebraska filling the four open scholarship spots for the mayor's third season. We say hi to Mike uh, Shuhart. Shuey with Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, it's uh, getting warmer. Things are getting greener. And uh, I found the sand a lot in regulation. And also the desert, but uh, I invoked some desert rules, and you're not going to frown on me for that, are you? Oh, no. You always got to invoke the desert rules, man. That's always in play. That's about right. Didn't kill any lizards, thankfully, but uh, <laughs> I am grateful. How about, uh, Go ahead. How about the jumping choyas? Did you ever run into any of those? No, there was not really. There's a few, uh, few birds and geese, and uh, I even saw, what was it? Wasn't a coyote or anything like that, but it's some furry-looking thing. I don't know. I, I played my mom's home course a couple of times in Pebble Creek, which was awesome. And then we played at Falcon Dunes, which is uh, the Air Force base that was just beautiful and scenic and not too far from one of the mountain ranges down there. And, and I, played, awesome. I played all right for me. Uh, nice. and, and, you know, despite the... Uh, the the public beating I took last Wednesday apparently from my golf game, I I, I, I did well I did well but uh, did do you have a, a thought or a take on on down in Arizona? Have you ever playing any any events down there? Oh yeah, played a lot of events down there. So that's awesome place. I mean the weather's always good. 
golf courses got a lot of sand and a lot of desert. Uh, that's kind of what it is. So, no, it's beautiful. And we got the mountain ranges. The sunsets are incredible. Mm. So, you got to work on your sand game, that's for sure. you got to hit a lot of fairway bunker shots, <laughs> greenside bunker shots. They like their sand. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So, Shoei, got to ask you, you look at uh, Rory uh, a little bit earlier today off the box. I know he's been working with a new swing coach, and Rory crushed one, and then it took a left turn <laughs> and ended up uh, in someone's backyard pool. Did you ever go <laughs> swimming uh, that way off the box ever, or are you ever part of a, a group where – all right, you didn't get a window or you didn't get a patio, but, man, you found the pool. Somebody found the pool. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah. I think I've found a little bit of everything myself or seen somebody. I've, I watched somebody hit it into a guy's pool one time. I've hit it through a window. Oh, no. Once or, once or twice. <laughs> really? So that's when you hit one and you go, oh, down, get down. And then <laughs> when you know it's already gone, then you just then you kind of just wait for the crash or hope you don't hear one. So take me through that broken window story. Did you go full dumb and dumber and point at the other guy? Uh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Or did you have to go to the backyard and say, you know what, that, that was me. Uh, too many Wheaties this morning. And what do I owe you for the window? You kind of drive by and you just you hope that nobody's home because then it's like, oh, well, I guess I couldn't stop because I didn't get to talk to anybody. So as long as nobody's home, eh, you're okay. If somebody's home, then you got to then you got to take your medicine. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get your thoughts here on the World Golf Championships. Uh, they're back uh, this coming weekend. Field of sixty four here. Uh, do you like the setup? Do you have any favorites? Yeah, match play is such a different animal. I mean, it's just so different than playing a stroke play event mm-hmm. because you 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 think just a little bit different. You know, you you do things because. You're you're a little more aggressive most of the time, you know, because you have to be because it's not like if you make a 10, it's going to hurt you. You just lose the hole, mm-hmm. you know. So you get guys that get a little more aggressive. So you'll see some players that will really get on a roll, you know, and they'll be super aggressive and with their putting, with their shot selection, you know, and kind of position themselves. And then, and then they kind of manage it on the way in. You know, so it's like you get you'll see some upsets that you wouldn't figure would happen just because again it's you're just playing you know you don't have to worry about the score on the hole, you just got to worry about the hole itself, mm. so match plays a lot different animal in how you think can you get in a little different situation too as you because it's just you against them coming down the stretch, so it's uh the thought process gets a little bit different, you know just how you you know, approach things, so you see a lot of you see. You see a lot of upsets in match play that you wouldn't expect. Well, the, the way they're doing this is is pretty well-rounded. I mean, they're going to pull one name out of the pool of 1 through 16 when it comes to ranked golfers. Then they'll go out uh, of another group, 17 through 32, 33 through 48, 49 through 64. It kind of it's like the the tournament, right? It's about matchups, so a guy might be ranked 50th in the world, but his game may be better suited for the course in Austin, uh, down there at the Austin Country Club, uh, even if he's taking on a, a guy that's ranked 8th in the, in, the, in the world. Exactly. You know, the golf course is suited. You know, certain golf courses are suited for certain players. You have conditions that you're playing in. What are the conditions? You know, some guys, 
games are better in certain conditions than other. What grass are you playing on? You know, you got guys that grow up in that area, so they're used to playing under and on those type of conditions. So it is. It's very much. It's all. It's a, it's like matchups. It's like you find a favorable matchup, or do you get one that's not very favorable? So. You know, some of it's luck of the draw. You know, you hope you get the right matchup at the right time. And some of it's just timing. Mm-hmm. You know, you get some days guys are just off. It's, it's very much like the tournament. Some teams are really good and they're just, they just don't shoot that well, you know. Just like a just like a golfer. He doesn't play good every day. And that's that's one of the unique things about match play is that in a four-day tournament, you got four days. In match play, man, you got 18 holes, mm-hmm. if that. You know, so if you're a little off, you just run out of time. In a four-day tournament, eh, you know, I can get on the next day, shoot really well, and get myself back in the tournament. In match play, if you don't, you're out. Mike, with the Masters only two weeks away, these guys only playing, you said, about 18 holes this weekend, give or take. Um, Did you see guys taking this weekend off and looking ahead to the Masters and kind of taking this one a little less seriously? Or or do you think this is going to be, you know, they're they're gearing up time for uh, for Augusta National? This is tune-up time. You know, they're, they're, a lot of the guys are just using this. You know, it's important, and they're, they're all competitors, and they want to win, you know, and they want to beat who they're going to play and all that stuff like that. But a lot of them are just using it, getting on the golf course, playing, hitting shots, you know, and and getting themselves tuned up for the Masters. I mean, that's, that's the first major. That's a hugely important tournament, so – a lot of guys are using this kind of as a tune-up, getting themselves in their rhythm, you know, getting their game where they want it to be. So when they go to the Masters, you know, they feel like they're on point and give themselves the best chance to uh, be successful. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Uh, Shuey, about uh, 45 seconds. Folks, uh, the time is now to get in and be a member at Wilderness, and of course you're there to help uh, with all the golf needs, from equipment to fitting to coaching, and uh, how, do, how do folks inquire more about uh, becoming a member, and, and man, that swim, uh, that uh, the aquatic oh, yeah. center, the, 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 the new clubhouse, I mean, it all looks phenomenal. It is. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, if, if you haven't seen um, some of the renderings and some of the 3D stuff that's out there. It's well worth a look. It's, it's going to be spectacular when it's all done. You know, so just give us a call out here. We'll direct you in the direction that of any of the needs you're looking for. Membership information, um, fitting information. I know we have a bunch of fittings coming up with PXG and Titleist and Ping. So we have a lot of all of that that's starting to ramp up man it's getting golf season mint the masters is here we know it's golf season time absolutely shuey we'll talk next week thanks for the time bud you bet thanks for having me stay safe and now and now back to hail varsity radio we'll get into some sue news next hour his new contract and where he ranks with espn bill conley's top 80 defensive players of the 2000s also, the top 60 quarterbacks out there and some candid thoughts by CBS Sports on Nebraska and uh, how vital this spring is for the Big Red. A reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. And if you're moving in 2021, you want to find that uh, residential home in the Lincoln area or surrounding community, 
West Blue Realty is where you got to go. You mentioned Hale Varsity. They can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. And two guys that make it happen for you. Tom Luby, give Tom a ring at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. For more details, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment today. Go see him. 1120 K Street, Suite 200. What can West Blue do for you a lot is the answer so uh i am anxiously awaiting the sweet 16 this weekend what a crazy wild phenomenal tournament uh, brackets be damned it's been entertaining to watch it's been quite a bit of fun and we'll be down there championship monday at longwell's a live show hail varsity four to six you've got your prizes for picks picks and uh, the the uh, championship uh, Monday is always a, a ton of fun. We want to see all of you out uh, uh, for Hale Varsity. And, of course, the title game, all those prizes will be given away. Uh, best of luck to you and uh, the team you drew. I hope your team's still alive. So did you make it down? Uh, I know Willie J and, and Hooksy got things kicked off 9 to 11 uh, Friday, right? And And I know you were back here kind of chained to the chair. Did you get down for a cold one at least? Oh, I was there from noon to eight. Oh, yeah, baby. You put in a full day. <laughs> I put in a put shift. In a, put in a full day of beer drinking and watching hoops. Well, I uh, I finished up the show uh, here on Friday, and I go down, and uh, I, I had my COVID, or my, yeah, my COVID vaccine at PBA. Timed it so I, I got I finished so up the show hold at like on a a, eleven fifteen. How, how did you dirty your way into PBA for an, for an injection? Um, be- Essential worker, mustache man, what? <laughs> Through my uh, my limited part time work with the uh, with the university in the fall with the filming with Husker Vision. Okay, so I haven't filmed with them since, but because of that, I, they put okay. me in line. I got an email vaccine. seven weeks after I I signed up for a, a guy with underlying conditions. Like, oh, hey, we haven't forgot about you. Yeah, uh, we'll let you know when you when you're ready. Yeah, they uh, they they gave me your vaccine instead. <laughs> so uh, so 11:30 got my vaccine. 11:45 I was drinking at Longwells. It's a good time. Probably irresponsible, but no, no. I mean, it, it just it just helped uh, protect you even further. Well, I mean, alcohol kills the COVID, you know. So that's, I was just ensuring that there's nothing in my body. That's what everybody told themselves in in Florida on spring break, and they're like, no, <laughs> we're putting a curfew in. So good for you, good for you. I, I was sad to miss it, but I was able to watch outdoors in the sunshine with lots of Modelo. Ah, uh, see, I mean, we got a little bit of sunshine. It was warm enough to get outside and like get some shots up in the cube. But like, did you play a game of pig or something like that? Uh, no, they they were giving out prizes if you could make right, free throws you, or three pointers. Yeah, I, I did post uh, archived footage of Junior just airballing the hell out of his his three shots. Uh, a few years ago. Need more knees, Junior. More knees. Andy Markowski's on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We'll dive into some spring football topics here in about 20 minutes. 
Let's get some hoops info. We welcome in the pride of Ord, Nebraska standout assistant at Pius. Andy Markowski with us. Find him on Twitter at Markowski underscore Andy. Pride of Ord, how are you, man? What's new? Not a lot, Spitty. Uh, things are uh, things are well, man. A lot of hoops on, on TV, some new nights of uh, basketball. So it's uh, been a fun uh, fun last week. It's been outstanding, and uh, the drama, the excitement, the upsets. Uh, we've gotten so many of those. Quite honestly, two years worth, right? As we we uh, uh, were deprived of the tournament a year ago, and it's back in full force. The Sweet Sixteen, a lot to get into there. We'll get your thoughts on some Nebraska basketball recruiting, specifically with some open scholarship spots. But what's your take on on the why? Why did the Big Ten flop like they did? in your opinion, and was it just as simple as matchups? Was it overconfidence? What are you kind of circling here for a dismal showing by the air quote best conference uh, in in the land, supposedly? Yeah, I don't I don't paint it with a broad brush that it was, you know, this this huge flop. You know, if, if you were to say who was the second best conference this year in the Big 12, they've got one, one team in the Sweet 16. So I, I think you've got to look at it um, you know, at each each team. I mean, Ohio State's a free throw away from, you know, closing that thing out. Rutgers blows it a 11-point lead with 2.12 to go, uh, you know, against a really good Houston team. And, you know, obviously Iowa, you know, that was a really tough matchup for, for them. Uh, they weren't very healthy, right? In the second half, they didn't play some of their, their best kids. You know, I think Purdue and, and um, you know, they, they, they had a great season to get they were at and, and uh, I'm trying to blink it. And, and, you know, Maryland, you know, I think exceeded kind of maybe what their expectations uh, were as well. But, the, you know, the Iowa and the Illinois lost, um, you know, that, 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 that was matchup driven. You know, certainly Illinois getting out class was probably the most, you know, the most disappointing thing uh, that I saw. But, you know, in the end, outside of the Pac-12, um, you know, all, all the leagues pretty much have one or two teams into the Sweet 16. I think there's a great balance. And, and this year, you know, on your show earlier, it was going to be really hard to project which leagues were the best league because there just was not a lot of cross-conference play. Uh, the, the one cross-conference play the Big Ten had was against the ACC and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and the ACC flat-out was, was below par for, for what's normal for them. So I, I think that was maybe a little bit of a false reading on how good the Big Ten was. So it's kind of a long, long answer to your question, but I, I, don't, I don't think it was as bad as, as what some of the national people are, are making out to be. I always kind of wondered what goes through the great Bill Walton's mind when he's doing games, and I love him in his tie-dye T-shirt, and he's sitting there with Dave Pash, and he's screaming about the Conference of Champions, and, you know, uh, what's he on? And I mean that as kind of a joke because uh, Big Bill's, he's a good time, but he looks pretty smart. He looks pretty good right now with with his Pac-12 love, man. I work for for Dockage, as as you know, and yeah. everybody knows, and and he used to throw out a hundred random things all the time. He's like, Kent State's going to be in the Final Four someday, and yeah, you know, pretty soon they get to the Elite Eight. So if you throw out enough crazy, like occasionally <laughs> you're going to be right. And I think Walton just happened to be lucky on on this one, right? That if you'd listened to him over the last three months, he's been wrong ninety nine percent of the time. But but certainly, I don't know if I listened to him or not. But I had Oregon and, and USC. Uh, in my uh, Sweet 16, so uh, he, he, I guess he made me made me look good. Not that I listened to Bill, but 
Uh, but yeah, if you throw out enough crazy, occasionally you're right. I love the crazy. You ever you ever connected with Bill Walton? Ever run into him? I have not. I, I do know this is my only fun Bill Walton fact is I, I work for a company called Stryker, and, and he has two Stryker knee replacements, which uh, obviously he went to the largest uh, implant we, we make. Um, very large human being, but that was that's kind of my one, one little connection to Bill. Well, there we go. Uh, Bill Walton's able to stand up now and say, throw it down, big man, uh, thanks to, to your company. Uh, Andy Markowski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, the pride of Ord, uh, assistant at uh, Pius Basketball. So when we look at, at Nebraska here and uh, the four scholarships open, you know, what, what's on your wish list? Yeah, I, I think point guard play, um, you know, was was an area that that you know needs to improve. You know, having Kobe back, you know, is, is Banton a, a point guard? I thought they improved. Uh, I thought the ball movement ball movement improved when they moved him off the ball. Uh, you know, the the younger McGowan's coming in. I don't think is a is a true point either. Uh, you know, more of a, an athletic uh, wing. So I, I think they need to figure out um, how they can can be in the upper upper part of the league, um, you know, the point guard position. Uh, but then you just got to add some guys that can make shots too. Uh, they've they've really struggled, you know, shooting the basketball from the three point line and even the free throw line. So I, I think you know whatever whatever's on this list, uh, it better be somebody that can can put the ball in the basket because that skill is still the number one skill that you need to to win conference uh, games, especially in a league like the Big Ten. When it comes to adding a transfer, I'm looking at uh, Oleg is the sixth. I'm, I can't even try his last name. But he's a 6'10 kid out of Lithuania that's a center. I know that's not point guard, but also from a transfer standpoint, uh, there is a guy in, in Tyson Walker that's uh, he's at New Hampton, New, uh, New Hampton Prep. So he's, he's a prep school kid. You got Walker, that's Tyson Walker out of Northeastern. And uh, also a, a Xavier transfer freshman guard in, in uh, C.J. Wiltshire. Uh, so those are some names that, that are out there. Uh, Myron Jones, is that a guy that Nebraska, I know they're in the running for. They had a Zoom call with him. He's leaving Penn State. Uh, those are all some names. What do you think about Ty Ty Washington? I know he de- decommitted from Creighton. Would he or could he be a fit? Could Nebraska land him? Yeah. You know, I, I think all of the above, Chris. I, I think there's so Many players available uh, with the with the portal and and just uh, the the nature of what college sports you know is. I, I think you know obviously year one they flipped the whole roster. You know last year you know flipped about ninety percent of it again. Um, you know I'm hopeful that that this year they're just adding maybe a, a couple pieces uh, so they can be a little bit more selective on. You know, finding you know need versus just like, hey, well, you know, you're going to the grocery store hungry, right? The mistake that we all made, we just start you know grabbing stuff and throwing it in your cart. You know, I think they have to be a little bit more uh, precise on, on finding some some needs, and you know, the the roster is more stable with having two high school kids in this class. So that's you know, I've always been a big advocate. You cannot build a program on on all you know transfers or, or JUCO. Or, or four-year or five-year transfer, graduate transfers. Um, so I, I think the roster is more stable. It wouldn't surprise me for 
you know, somebody else to leave. The, the kids that left, I'm not alarmed by. If you were mm-hmm. going to draw, a, a, you know, a, put a list together of, of who was most at risk, you know, the kids that have left would be the kids that I think everybody would would assume were real happy with their with their playing time. So. I'll trust, you know, Fred to do the recruiting. I, I think um, the level of kid that they've drawn to the university is, is the best I've seen since Danny in the, in the 90s. I mean, the, the caliber of athlete. I mean, you know, you beat Rutgers, you know, by 20. And, you know, they, they were a, a bucket away from, from going to the Sweet 16. So the, the gap maybe isn't as big as what the record showed. I, I, I do think we have some kids that can play and, and compete and win in the Big Ten. I want to go to Tim Miles, and, and I thought New Mexico would be a brilliant spot for him. They went with Little Patino. Uh, you know, I don't know what is op- I mean, what, what is likely for maybe UNLV. I don't know if they've made a, a hire yet. I know Minnesota uh, went to Xavier's coach, uh, and I was thinking, you know, either – Craig Smith, or, or maybe another name for, for that Minnesota opening, although he's done great work at, at Utah State. But but back to Miles, what's your reaction to, to the direction New Mexico went? Yeah, that one surprised me. And I know you and I had kind of talked uh, offline, or I, I think Tim you know, thought he was in good shape. Obviously, he was, right? One mm-hmm. of the final two. And, and if Patino doesn't get fired, I mean, who, who knows? When those conversations started to, to when, you know, Patino was fired at, at Minnesota and, you know, really got the New Mexico job, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, I agree with you. I thought that was a really good fit for Tim. You know, now I think he's got to sit back. You know, the job has filled uh, with uh, Lon Kruger's son. Um, so, you know, some of those that okay. maybe made sense for Tim aren't, aren't available anymore. Um, but yet, I, I do think there's going to be some, some more you know, jobs open, which, you know, you start looking at the mid-major pool that did a good job in the NCAA tournament, you know, do some of those coaches, you know, get get that next level job, um, you know, which, which, you know, you have Marquette open now, which I think is probably a too big of a job for Tim, but whoever Marquette hires, then, you know, there becomes some opportunity behind it. So I, I think there's a lot of that to, to play out. I think Tim, you know, is really committed to, to finding a, a job this year. Um, you know, hopeful that, that you know, that is a, a mid-major Division One job. I think that's the level that Tim has proven that he's, you know, can, can coach and win at and, you know, kind of reset the, 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 the clock and, you know, see if you can rebuild another program, maybe hoping that that high-major opportunity comes down the road. Where's Indiana go? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you you, you look at your obvious, uh, you know, Porter Mosiers and you know, tend, uh, the guys that tend to have good NCAA tournament runs. Uh, you don't have that name recognition, but um, you know that uh, the Thad Mata thing is 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 really strange. It fills Nebraska football ish, right? That you yeah. know they offered a guy that filled a physical. You know, who knows? The truth is usually in the middle of that. But that, that is a really hard job and a really hard fan base to please. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they backed the, the, the truck up for for Brad Stevens. Um, you know, then then I talked to some people that still says he's you know potentially interested, even though he's he's kind of squelched it uh, through the national media. So, uh, you know, great question. If you know whoever's name you're hearing is probably not the person that is going to get that job. That's usually how these things work. Talking with Andy Markowski here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, before we let you go, I want to go back to NCAA tournament real quick. Are you going to be rooting for the in-state team in Creighton in the round of 16, or is that a bridge you just won't cross? You know, I uh, 
my bracket is 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 really good. It's in the hundredth percentile of, of the ESPN. Um, the negative is I had Ohio State winning it, so don't I, I'm not going to make myself seem smart because obviously I missed there. I, I it pained me to pick Creighton into the Sweet 16. I, I did that because I felt like their matchups were good. I thought Virginia was a mess with COVID, so um, I, I did my good deed for for the Blue Jays. I I can't. Um, continue to, even though I, I, you know, Greg McDermott and I have known each other since I coached at South Dakota and he was at Wayne State, certainly going through a lot there. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are Creighton uh, fans, um, but I, I, you know, I hope they play well, but they, they've not, they're not picked another spot in my bracket. I'll leave it at that. Do they get smoked by Gonzaga? You know, I, I, I really like their matchup. I mean, there's some teams that, that Creighton wouldn't match up to, right? You look at a Baylor that really can get out and, and just guard you and run you off the three-point line. Uh, but when their bracket broke, I was like, holy cow. Like, you know, this is, uh, you know, your Virginias, your Gonzagas, you know, those, those teams are built a lot like Creighton, right? Skilled, but not overly athletic. So, I, I you know, Creighton is so dependent on the three-point line. You know, there's going to be stretches where Creighton, you know, is really competitive in that game, and if they can keep making threes, they're they're probably good enough to to pull the upset. Um, you know, I think Gonzaga probably has more variety of ways to score, and that will carry him. You know, when they need to go get baskets, but you know, Creighton's really good. I mean, Greg is is one of the truly, and I'm not just saying this, mm-hmm. a, a, an offensive innovator. Like if you look at some of the stuff. He does offensively. They're really hard to guard. Uh, Gonzaga will struggle guarding their stuff. It, it comes down to can they make, you know, can they make enough threes to, to score eighty to eighty-five points? Because that is what Gonzaga has proven that that they're going to be able to score that many. Andy, last side, Andy Markowski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, with Dana Altman in Oregon, back at it again, not far removed from a Final Four, not far removed from an Elite Eight, back in the Sweet 16. Uh, is there a better mind than, than Dana? I mean, he does such a great job. His teams get better at the end of the year. You know, that, that, it's so true. I, I think he is so versatile as a coach. I mean, he... he um, you know, there's a lot of styles that, that he can play. I think they do a really good job of recruiting. Um, you know, they're a little like Villanova at uh, Syracuse. They, they find and they recruit kids that, that really fit kind of how they want to play, you know, very versatile offensively, very versatile defensively, and then they coach them up. I mean, I, you know, they, they, they get better, as you said, not only individually. Their kids go on to the NBA. Um, their, their teams get better. Dana's staff has been with him, you know, Kevin McKenna, which is a name that most people were recognized, uh, you know, coached at UNO, coached at Creighton. Like, he's had the same assistants that I think are teaching the same thing. They're, they're great minds in terms of developing kids. So, yeah, I just hats off to Dana. I mean, no, nobody has um, – you know, Oregon was not a basketball job. They had somewhat some success under Ernie Kent. Um, but but to, to get to the, you know, Elite Eight and Final Four and Sweet Sixteens, um, you know, at, a, at kind of a non-traditional basketball school, even though it's Nike and Phil Knight and all of that stuff, um, it, you know, just uh, I, I've enjoyed Dana. You know, I don't know him well, but, but certainly have a relationship with him. Um, you know, it's been fun to, to watch his teams progress. And, you know, I'm, I've always been a, a big fan, and you know, I'll still root for Oregon in the tournament. Andy Markowski, Pride Ord, assistant at Pius and former Husker standout. Andy, we'll get caught up again, man. Thanks for talking some tourney with us, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Andy Markowski with us. And, uh, hey, he helped Bill Walton out.
sort of, kind of. Some spring football thoughts on the way with Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. I got to be honest here about... Uh, a dear friend, Jay Bird Erickson, the mayor of Misty's, has been on the Pac-12 for years, and he has been proclaiming their greatness, and Jay's not on drugs, unlike Big Bill. We all kind of just say, yeah, 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 but Jay Bird is on the money, and I got to give him his props, because he's been on uh, all over Alabama, and he's been all over the Pac-12. <laughs> And he's been so right. And he also says Creighton will cover. So so there we go. Well, what, what's the line right now? I have not seen. I have what, not, whatever it is, Creighton it, will it's, cover it's it. It's Saturday, right? <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're there. But uh, the two biggest Pac-12 fans, uh, Bill Walton and Jaybird Erickson, and Jaybird's not on drugs. So that's that's important. Uh, it's to important know. to note. <laughs> it's important to note, and both are entertaining as hell. Uh, so there we are. So you have the 80 best college football defenders in the 2000s, and you can send an email. Email topic will open up today and, and kind of follow up on tomorrow. What have you missed most about not being able to attend as a Nebraska fan? Well, clearly you missed not being able to go. But what about the experience has been hard to be away from? Is it the people you know and sit by? Is it the the, the roar of the crowd, the, 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 the moments that you're a part of? Is it the food, the tailgating, having a cocktail? What, what is it? What, what have you missed most about being away for a year as a Nebraska fan? Because you're going to get... Back, uh, Jaybird says he emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. The line is 13 and a half. Creighton's getting 13 and a half. <sighs> part of me wants the upset. Part of me wants ultimate d- 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 destruction <laughs> for the Jays. I mean, that Drew Timmy dude inside, he's got the best mustache in college basketball. And I mean, he's one of the best. Even better than too. the Loyola of Chicago kid that looks like he drives a windowless van. Well, see, I like his mustache because we have similar mustaches. Just... Yours fills in. His is creepy and, and he's going <laughs> to ask you if you want candy. I mean, mine's pretty creepy too. I'm not going to I'm not gonna sugarcoat things. <laughs> but I mean, Timmy's got the full like all the way. It's but, beautiful. But he's a pile of dough. Oh, the, from Loyola? Yeah. Loyola? Yeah. yeah. He, he's, that man is 40 years old. Uh, the, the funniest tweet I saw it said, uh, whenever you go undercover at college, but you get caught up in extracurriculars, <laughs> he looks like a Farva from, uh, from Super Troopers. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. And that guy was, that guy was a freak show. So, Indama Kinsu, uh, one-year deal, $10 million or $9 million with with incentives up to, to a million. And, and Bill Conley does a nice job, and, and he ranks uh, the best defenders uh, from 2000 to now. And I, I kind of surprised Levante David is not on here just a little bit because he had, and he was an All American. He's, I think, fourth all time in tackles, which is nuts because he cranked out 250 tackles in two years. Mm-hmm. 
And you look at and as great as Murtaugh and, 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 and Barrett are, and they're phenomenal, and Mike Brown, I mean, that's, that's the realm Levante's at. All right. And all those guys played at, at least three years. So there's some names on here defensively. And there are a, a lot of <laughs> big time names. I mean, think of Derek Barnett for Tennessee. I mean, the guy destroyed all of Reggie White's records. He comes in at number 72 out of 80. Uh, Arakpo is just hell to deal with uh, as a defensive end for, for Texas. Gerald McCoy, same draft uh, pick after Sue, uh, was tough to deal with. You look at all the great USC. Uh, front uh, front four and, and back uh, front seven and, and back seven players. Rocky Kalmus, a great college football player that spearheaded that Oklahoma squad. The Boses come in here in the mid fifties. Uh, you also have uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. How versatile and oh, difference wow, yeah. making he was. He comes in at forty seven. Uh, so this list is loaded from the year 2000 to, to now. The last 21 years, A.J. Hawk was great. Clowney comes in at 39. Ooh, Cl- Clowney at 39? Clowney played when he wanted to, okay? But when he played... Whenever he wanted to, he was absolutely dominant. Roquan, Roquan Smith was phenomenal at Georgia, okay? Uh, Jay Moore's roommate, Patrick Willis at Ole, at Ole Miss was... Incredible. Mike Doss was good. I think you could have. Pr- Mike Brown graduated in 99. So just out of just, just out, out of the reach. Ed Oliver was great. He comes in at 31. So you go down the list. Sean Taylor at, at, at number 24. Von Miller at 22. And our old buddy Searles um, had to had to D up uh, literally against Von Miller. I know Von Miller was playing defense, but hey, redshirt freshmen have fun with Von Miller. And Searles did well that game. Uh, against Vaughn, uh, but Vaughn Miller was incredible. Ken Dorsey, not Ken Dorsey, he's the quarterback. Glenn Dorsey oh, yeah, was yeah. the defensive lineman for LSU that, that Bo really coached up. Really fizzled with the Chiefs, but... Well, but uh, he, he's a, he was a defensive tackle in a, in a 4-3 that they asked to play nose guard in two different 3-4 stop, yeah, I mean, stops. I, I thought that dude was going to be a, a beast in the NFL. So did I. Uh, Chase Young in at 15. Chase Young was incredible. Luke Keekley was really talented. If Keekley's on this list, and I know Keekley had crazy numbers his last year at Boston College, Dwight Freeney, Derek Johnson, Julius Peppers comes in just at number nine. Julius Peppers was a beast. Uh, Honey Badger comes in at eight. Roy Williams, seven. David Pollock and Aaron Donald, Donald uh, comes in. Your top four for your top defensive players since the year 2000, Khalil Mack, was incredible at Buffalo, and of course um, Zach Duvall really helped uh, refine him. Twenty-eight and a half sacks, sixteen forced fumbles, four picks, two block kicks, seventy-five tackles. That's insane. Terrell Suggs was a beast at Arizona State. He even made a lot of plays against Nebraska in 02 his senior year. Ed Reed comes in at number two. I think Ed Reed is absolutely probably. Your unanimous number one pick for best defensive player in college football the last 21 years, except for the guy that is number one, and that's Indomitian Sue. And and listen, Sue gets all the accolades from from Bill Conley uh, when it comes to these numbers Sue had as a junior. 
29 tackles for a loss, 12 sacks. That was that was 08. But then the 09 season where we're talking 20 and a half TFLs, 12 sacks, blocked kicks, interceptions, and even the nod of yes, Sue did get screwed out of the Heisman in 09, it should have and didn't go to him. Bill Conley says this, he was the scariest defender this sport has seen in a century full of them. Yep. This top 80 list is incredible, and rightfully so. Sue is in at number one, and he was incredible to watch. You flip it over to offense, and uh, it's it's a pretty good list here. Uh, when but, it comes but, to- before we go to offense, was Sue the only Husker on the list? Yes, and that's why I was saying, where's Levante David at? I mean... Am I reaching here whenever I, I think back to a guy like Prince of Mucamara? Is that Prince, Prince was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean... He, he was pretty high level. It, it seemed like for a senior year, you really couldn't throw it to his side of the field. No. Well, I think Oklahoma State had fun doing that in the first half till Fonzie took over mm. with Blackman. But to your point, uh, Prince was incredible. And Prince was super physical. The thing, too, that, that Sue did uh, was allow that peso defense where you could have seven in coverage and you just needed four to get to the quarterback. When you had Pierre Allen, you had Sue, you had Crick. And uh, for a time, uh, you had Potter off the edge as well. And I forget who the other defensive end was opposite. uh, Oh, uh, the kid out of Tennessee that broke his leg. Uh, Pierre Allen. God, he's from Antioch, Tennessee. I can tell you his name. I can tell you everything but his name. Uh, shoot. Uh, we'll, we'll get. Can, to can you give me a jersey number? Can't do that either. But he was he was really high level recruit. Busted his leg, came back, and was was still pretty good. Man, that's hurting me. Uh, but but Sue was great, and Sue took up two or three defenders, and everyone ate. And obviously, Sue ate. Quarterbacks they go through a top sixty list, and. Uh, Crouch comes in at number 42, hmm. and they say, you know, Crouch's numbers don't absolutely wow you as a Heisman winner, but uh, he had that danger factor. Uh, and I love the fact that that Bill Conley says, uh, you know, just ask Missouri, <laughs> <laughs> as Crouch made a living against Missouri. Uh, the, the number one quarterback since 2000 per Bill Conley is Baker Mayfield agree or disagree? And and here's here's the list. You have Baker in at one, Newton two, Vince Young three, Tebow four. I mean that's that's your rundown. And in at five you have. Give me a second here. It's a, it's a son of a gun when you can't read in your own writing. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just. It, it, it just is. Johnny Football comes in at 13, Trevor Lawrence in at 11, Mariota in at 9, Lamar Jackson 8, Murray 7, Deshaun 6, pre, uh, uh, pre-rubdown apparently, and, and then Joe Burrow in at 5. So Burrow in at 5. Uh, the, the 1 and 2 is awful. You don't like I, – I don't like Baker at 1. I, I would put, based on his career numbers, all right, I could hear an argument for Baker in at five. He didn't have any defenses, so he's always having to score 50 points. And he didn't win a national championship. Exactly. Vince Young, 
Vince, Tim, Vince Young should be one. I think Tebow could even go two. Cam Newton three. I, I think you, I think you go Vince one. Mm-hmm. I think you go Cam two, and I think you go Tebow three. The thing about Tebow is, guy had Percy Harvin, right? And he I, had Aaron Hernandez. I just look at it at the. I mean, they were top five teams for four years while he was a starting quarterback. Well, I, I look at did you win a ring? Mm. And and Burrow, I I could, I'd even take. I would I would take Burrow over over Mayfield. Oh, over Baker. Yeah, because it's not like Baker had slim pickings to deal with. No, no, nor did Burrow. But Burrow got the ring. Burrow beat Bama. Burrow whacked Clemson. So led one of the most prolific offenses in college football history. Perfect marriage, right there. But yeah, I, Baker's career was great. Cam's season was arguably one of the best as a quarterback, and Vince Young finally got Texas to where they believe they should be. Uh, Jock Doc's on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seinfeld, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, how you doing? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys doing? Doing outstanding. Let's hit on a little NBA and uh, Laker fans right now nervous as they're wondering when the when King James is going to return. Of course, over the weekend, uh, got hurt, uh, ankle injury, and it, it looks pretty serious. The thought is some ligaments. Dr. Brandon, let's kind of get into to what could happen and, and what might happen here with a high ankle sprain. I'm looking at a picture here of LeBron, and he's got his bronze on his left foot and a big old silver boot on his right. And that ankle injury, man, uh, was uh, was really tough to see for a lot of NBA fans. Yeah, so as you kind of look through and sift through some of those reports that are out there, you know, they're starting to throw out that term of a you know higher ankle sprain for him. And we've had some discussions on here before about kind of the difference there between the, you know a normal ankle sprain versus high ankle sprain, um, and clearly a big difference in the two. Um, and again, as we've described before, with uh, you know thinking about this anatomically. So when you start to move away from a you know, regular ankle sprain and move it a little further up into what they classify as a higher ankle sprain, essentially what that involves is if you think about your ankle joint, there's two bones that mainly form that on the top side. The, the bigger one, the shin bone, is the tibia. The smaller bone on the outside is called the fibula. So those two form a joint together, the top part of the ankle. And those two bones are actually held together at the ankle joint by a uh, ligamentous structure called the syndesmosis, a really thick ligamentous structure that's in between the two bones. Um, and essentially what happens is when you have a, a high ankle sprain, uh, the ankle kind of rotates in a, in a little different direction than a normal kind of roll over the outside. It's more of a roll into the inside and it rotates to the outside. And then that force travels up from the ankle into that ligament that hooks those two bones together and actually starts to tear part of that ligament, which is called the syndesmosis. Again, it takes a much higher level of trauma to do that. Um, and then obviously there's a lot more just trauma in general that happens to the body when that happens in terms of tearing that big ligaments and bleeding from that. And then the other thing that happens is with those increased forces uh, that occur with this trauma, since it, occur- it 
basically involves a higher level of trauma. You tend to get a lot of bruising on the ends of the bones. You kind of develop some what we call cartilage bruises, chondral contusions, deep bone bruises. Those all kind of represent the same thing. Um, that's essentially what happens, and then it just really speaks to you. It takes a lot longer to get over one of these higher ankle sprains than, again, for example, your kind of normal ankle sprain, if you will. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, uh, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday and x-rays done, uh, MRI done, and uh, not a lot of news leaking out uh, with the severity, but the timeline is several weeks. Uh, that's kind of the, 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 the cut and dry of it here. And uh, you have different indicators that kind of clue in on how how severe this is when you hear several weeks what can you kind of pinpoint towards are there different grades we, we talk about knee sprains we've done that in the past are there different uh, grades when it comes to ligament damage potentially to that ankle region yeah there sure are you know some of those kind of basic grades often there's a you know, kind of standard scale is kind of a grade one to three similar to what we had with like our mcls um, so there are there are some of those gradings uh, that are out there. There's a real kind of fancier grading system that's out there too that throws some numbers. Um, but really, the the big thing on these and things have changed some in terms of you know treatment and management of these. Um, you know, typically your high ankle sprains, you're going to place them into a boot and you need a little longer rest period than say a normal ankle sprain. So you're in that boot for three to four weeks if it's kind of that grade one kind of milder sprain. You start to work out of it, maybe work back into playing sports after about three to six weeks. Um, you kind of get up to that grade true le- two level, and then that starts to get into more of maybe a five or six week, seven week return. You start to get into that really severe kind of grade three level, where there might be a fracture involved, or you know a real kind of large tear, and that synovitis things are pretty unstable. Then you're talking you know, the surgery route, and that was kind of the standard way of treating this in the past. So what we started to see over the last even just couple of years, it's pretty new. In terms of this, they're starting to do more surgical treatment uh, of these syndesmotic injuries, these high ankle sprains, kind of in that middle grade level. So they're still, for most of these, treating that kind of first entry level sprain non-operatively. But now we're starting to see um, some kind of accessory artificial ligamentous devices being placed, uh, some screws you can put through there. A lot of it is there's a construct called a tightrope where you have these two buttons suspended with a um, uh, thick suture in between the two, and you can actually put that to put that through the two bones as a suspensory ligament, tighten it down, and then that has, in theory, shortened up the recovery or rehab for these. Most notably, you know, uh, Tua, who played for Alabama, had this done. Yeah. Um, you can speed up kind of that recovery process. The issue with that is, is you know, what's the long-term ramifications of that? You know, is it a good thing to do? You know, the jury's kind of still out on whether or not that's the right thing to do, but we're starting to see that more. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's any discussions of that with uh, what LeBron's going through right now. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday, talking LeBron and just watching the footage right now. It's almost like the old football uh, clip, right, where you go low on somebody it wasn't intentional, obviously, but that as the, there was a fight for the loose ball, LeBron kind of got undercut, tabletop, so to speak, where uh, you had the Atlanta players, part of his torso and ribcage area went right down at an angle and kind of fell like an axe, so to speak, on LeBron's ankle region. When we talk about recovery, uh, given the timeline, Dr. Brandon, what's the uh, 
the re-injury possibility like if you come back too soon? How how temperamental is this part of the ankle? Yeah, that's a great question, and that always is the challenge with these. You know, more so than again, like your, your standard fair uh, ankle sprain. The high ankle sprains really do have a higher percentage of kind of retweaking them. Um, these folks really do kind of struggle that first kind of six, eight, nine weeks out of the gate. Just getting back, it's easy to retweak it a lot more than a normal ankle sprain. Um, just a little bit slower, a little more difficult to cut. So you really do look, you know, pretty different for a while. And I think that's where we're starting. The reason why we're probably seeing people maybe be more aggressive with treating these, especially with considering that surgical intervention for more of those moderate-grade injuries, um, is it might cut back on some of those kind of recurrent uh, injuries that occur early in that recovery process. And so that would be, you know, for him, I would anticipate that if he gets back, we'll probably see, you know, kind of a, a slow return, a little bit of a struggle there those first maybe month or two that he gets back. That could be uh, disastrous for the Lakers uh, with uh, how big he is for their playoff and, 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 and ring push. About about 40 seconds here, Dr. Brandon. Do you expect this to affect his ability and elevation on a jump shot, his explosion to the rim, or even his patented back down and then kind of fade away on the block? Yeah, yeah probably the biggest thing would be you know, a plant and a cut maneuver. So, yeah, his ability to drive to the basket will be a bit limited with this. Uh, still think he'll do pretty well getting the jump shot off. The question will be, you know, it's your typical set jump shot. should be too bad, but if you're trying to pull up off a drive, That'll be a little delayed for him as well. Um, actually, his little uh, fadeaway move that he does might play into this. That that's not super traumatic on that uh, that foot of all kind of go the other pivot the other way and use more of the non-injured side to push off on that. Probably plays into his uh, injury a little bit better. Well, be uh, ready for a high dosage of uh, of left block fadeaways using that left leg. <laughs> Versus the ride, he'll still, he'll still triple double at knowing him. Dr. Brandon Cipher with his Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday tomorrow, we're going to try and connect with Coach McBride since we had hoops going on on Monday. Mitch Sherman will be with us and uh, probably a little Brandon Vogel. Danny Burke will get you set for your weekend of NCAA tournament. And then, Elijah, I know you're already eyeing some uh, steak and beer bets for Friday. Uh, this this next round of the tournament, I've been looking at it. It's like, I don't know. I would have felt good about some steak and beer bets with you in the first round. Um, in, in hindsight, that was, I'm glad we didn't do any steak and beer bets because I, I was like, I was really confident in the upsets I had picked. Uh, week one, and uh, I picked all the wrong upsets. So see, and I, I picked all the wrong chalk. Wait. Just your your normal high seeds, uh, like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone got screwed by Ohio State. Big, yeah, big I, time. I have a friend who was uh, he was out in Vegas, and uh, he had the money line on Oral Roberts. Ooh. Uh, made himself a lot of money on that. Nice. Well, just, maybe he's buying the steak then. There's a there's a funny video of him on the uh, the Bleach Report betting page on Instagram of uh, of him going crazy in whatever sports book they're in in Vegas <laughs> as when the Oral Roberts won. <laughs>
All right, man. Bring me the whole bottle. Uh, reminder about buckling up, and uh, you got to do it uh, always and forever, and it's about safety. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska, well, they're not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, I don't know if you got into it yesterday or not, but this whole... Deshaun Watson thing is creepy and weird and what's real, what is a money grab, what is a smear campaign by people within potentially the Texans organization. I mean, there's there's like three doors to pick from here. A, Deshaun Deshaun Watson is a bad guy. And he is a serial attacker, all right? I mean, just he's just if these allegations are true and if they're found to be true in a court of law, his reputation of, of a charitable giver and guy who kind of came from nothing has been absolutely destroyed. I, I hope that for his sake, none of this is true. And you hope he's... Not a, a violent predator. B, there's the reality of of athletes do get targeted for a payout. That that can happen too. And C, you've got uh, you got an owner that has seen a number of departures, and you've got an owner that I don't know if if you're going to sit down with a number of African American players in that locker room feel real welcome or listen to and not to mention the lawyer that's bringing these lawsuits is a like a houston texan super fan he's a Texan. i mean to me now listen we're just throwing out i'll wait for the court of thought law bubbles to, yeah. yes we're not accusing we're just saying there's a lot of different off ramps on this thing it's quite and the story it, it's yeah and the number continues to grow Back at you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Thanks.